Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome back. It's been a while, uh, and if you've been living under a rock, you may or may not know that uh, we're currently facing an unprecedented pandemic due to the coronavirus or COVID-19. Um, you know, personally, I got to say that this has been one of the most bizarre points in my life um, and, and will certainly go down in history. You know, we're going to be telling stories about this time uh, 20, 30, 40 years from now to our children, grandchildren, uh, about how this was the turning point in the shift that, um, you know, is, is really recognizable, uh, kind of leaping us into the next generation here. And I know that may sound far-fetched, but I want to kind of lay out uh, a little bit of what's been going on um, during this drought period because Aspiration Athletics, the digital training platform that I've been using, um, you know, we, we've kind of been preparing for a moment like this, a shift where virtual training is becoming uh, a prevalent part of the discussion. And it took a call to action, um, being that people, gym owners, myself, Mallory, uh, had to pivot to accommodate for individuals that didn't have access to a brick and mortar facility. So a couple of months ago, early in March, um, this whole thing was kind of just being talked about. It wasn't really taken seriously. It was kind of downplayed. Uh, There was pretty clear divide, still is, on, um, you know, the the dangers of this outbreak and uh, it was before it was declared a pandemic. Um, We kept a close eye on it, but it wasn't something that we felt was going to be threatening towards the population that we were serving at the time. Um, As things progressed, you know, moving into mid-March, probably closer to March 13th, if I remember correctly, you know, we had to take a step back and uh, make a, a hard decision, which is um, taking and prioritizing people's uh, safety over what they want, which is the convenience of training. Now, this is tough because when everything started shutting down in the beginning, we, we kind of pulled the trigger a little early because we felt that this was going to be a serious uh, issue in wherever you stand on the argument. Um, put simply, I don't think it's worth risking uh, the demographic that myself and Mallory uh, serve to put them in a position where they could potentially be risking their health. I mean, we we work with um, special populations, um, both of which are geriatric and immunocompromised. So. There's issues when it comes to reopening um, right now that I don't want to make part of our discussion, but during this time, that was something that we really thought heavily about, and we decided to weigh on the error of caution and um, shut the facility down uh, and, and, and make a pivot towards virtual training. Now, I'm going to get into uh, a little bit of, of how that works for trainers, um, other fitness professionals in, in this industry and in this space, uh, or just general population, individuals who are seeking out um, training. You know, this, this transition is, is something that's, 
I wouldn't say it's been a long time coming. Uh, I, and depending on how long you've been doing this, you may feel differently. But, um, you know, I, I look at this again as the turning point, right? Uh, everything else has been going to, to virtual and digital. Um, you look back three, four years ago now, Bitcoin, you know, everything's starting to kind of have this digital ambiance to it. Um, and, and I see this not as a planned behavior, but rather, again, this is kind of catapulting us into that uh, next era here where virtual is going to now be a strong consideration for people due to convenience. Um, you know, people right now uh, that we're, we're seeing, uh, myself and Mallory as, as gym owners, they're looking for a way to continue and although they know that virtual training may not be as effective in, in some cases as in-person training, they're getting the peace of mind, especially with our older populations, they're getting the peace of mind of training in a safe and comfortable environment, whether it be their home or uh, maybe in their garage, you know, outside, a, a place where they feel comfortable, a place where they can uh, really just focus on the movement or the task at hand when they're in front of myself or Mallory. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been quite an adjustment. Um, the, I'd say the hardest thing about this transition for the most part has been keeping people motivated. And I even admitted myself early on in this introduction that, you know, motivation has been one that's been lost, not only with myself um, on the content production side of things, uh, but our clients, right? Um, it, it's top down. It's, it's felt throughout. And uh, we're just a small training company, but we have a tribe of individuals, myself and Mallory, um, separate, but also together, uh, a tribe of people that are, are, are really you know, focused and, and, and really work to prioritize and set aside that time to delegate um, and commit to training. And when this, this wrench has kind of been thrown in our, our, our structure here, um, especially when we're trying to develop habits, it's been especially difficult to supplement this virtual training. Now, I will say, um, and I'm sure many uh, people in this space, professionals and, and, and virtual trainers alike can agree that, you know, once you kind of get in the groove of the virtual training gig, whether you're doing um, simple remote programming or you're, uh, you know, doing the one-on-one -on -one virtual or class-based training, um, you know, it's, it, you start to find your groove. You start to uh, get, it becomes normalized, right? And again, like when I'm talking about this next generation, this kind of turning point, that's what's happening here is we're normalizing uh, what has already existed for many years. And the option of virtual training is is just that. Um, there's been virtual trainers in this space for, for a long time that have saw um, or rather seen success um, in this space and, uh, and, and rather becoming a niche kind of population is now going to open it up in, in kind of scale, uh, moving forward. And you see many training, um, organizations as well as, uh, big box facilities kind of shifting their efforts towards that right now, because this is now, uh, 
can be seen at the very least a supplement to your current training routine, uh, which again, you know, when we're talking about a pandemic that's unprecedented, convenience is going to be the number one thing that people are looking for. And you may not have the, um, the, you know, right environment, so to speak, that, that's, that, that you're looking for, but you're having that convenience of being able to call upon the knowledge of a professional um, to walk you through your exercises just as if they were in person. Um, now we're just having, you know, a, a, a remote environment. Um, so there's a little bit of trade-off there. I, I really think out of the the duration that I've been doing this before the pandemic and comparing it to now during the pandemic, to me, I really see the urgency, uh, or not, I wouldn't say urgency, but rather commitment um, to the, the virtual side of things. Uh, I think people are now making it more of an option uh, or, or at least, you know, they're at least um, not uh, looking down on virtual training because I know that that's kind of a, an issue as well. There's there's kind of a, a group of people or um, a lot of cases, individuals that don't think there's value out of virtual training. So again, comparing um, before the pandemic and training individuals to now, I really see that commitment uh, to the process of training in it's already hard enough to get somebody to commit to structure in a routine and, and especially trying to to build behavior, um, positive behaviors. You know, during that time, it's already tough when you're you're working with people face to face and they're struggling in a one on one training environment. So having the accessibility right now. And I think this is where virtual and digital beats out all other aspects. The accessibility of being able to check in with my clients and athletes uh, 24-7, really. And, and if you've built up your relationship with the people you're serving enough, you 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 can kind of read whether or not that's appropriate. But um, being able to have that accessibility, again, um, not only creates that convenience on their end because they have peace of mind knowing that they're still getting what they want uh, because I'm helping them get to their goals, even though we may have some wrenches thrown in our um, plan here, uh, that doesn't mean we can't get the same result. We may just have to take a little bit longer or structure our routine differently. Um, so I speak for a lot of fitness professionals, big box gyms when I say it's been certainly a pivot. And hopefully if you've been paying attention the last year and a half, two years, three years, really stretching back to like 2013, 14, when this whole thing started really popping off, you would have noticed these undertones starting to become prevalent in the training space in fitness and uh, virtual now is just going to make a breakout and I'm excited for it. It's been, it's been different to adjust to. I know myself personally, uh, um, I, I get a bit more nervous digitally. I don't know, or excuse me, virtually. I don't know why that is. I think I'm just more comfortable in a gym environment and uh, being around weights and barbells and things. And then being in my living room, you know, kind of, um, there's, there's a lot of, um, vulnerability there. And, uh, 
Um, I'm not a very private person, but I will say like, you know, for me, my confidence lies in the weight room. So that's where I like to be. So don't think for a second, folks, that just because your training suffering doesn't mean our coaching isn't, um, I, I don't want to say suffering, that sounds bad, but isn't uh, having, you know, issues on that side of things. We're we're having difficulties again, top down. So, you know, it may be an inconvenience to have to do wall sits a, with some weight or, or doing um, uh, clean deadlifts in your living room. But if you're trying to be a competitor and that's something that you've made a goal for yourself, you know, we're going to start shifting our efforts to making sure you get there. It's just going to look a little different than what you were used to from a nine to five standpoint and when our society was running appropriately. So, um, you know, we've kind of covered a lot already. Uh, basically in short, you guys, um, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, all in all, it's been an adjustment for myself and I've been doing the virtual gig for, you know, longer than a a lot of individuals who've had to, to make that pivot switch very quickly and, and there's been some trouble I've had and motivation's been one of them. Like I said, um, it's tough to get used to a different environment that you may not have the most conducive, uh, environment, right? So for, for an individual who may be training for a competition, but they're in a toxic environment with their family that doesn't support their competitive goals, you know, that may be, um, a constraint to our training that we need to navigate, um, I guess the same can be said for myself here, training in, in, in our, my home environment. Uh, I'm used to being in a weight room, so it's, it's a tough workaround. But us as professionals and you as committed athletes or clients, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be in the dirt with us. And we're going to lead you to um, the right path uh, to help you achieve your goals. It just may not be uh, the same structure. It certainly won't be the same structure and you have to be remain, excuse me, rather remain um, open minded uh, about the whole process. So there's been a lot of change. Um, The way we've conducted training uh, obviously is different. Um, We're using Google Duo, at least myself, I'm using Google Duo. I find that that's a better option simply because it's free. There's no um, ads about upgrading, things like that. So there's no pressure uh, of, of a sale there, um, which I can always appreciate. And I know many of you who are already operating on a budget is something that you're looking for. Zoom is a good option, and I'm not downplaying that, but I will say that they've had privacy breaches. And if your um, online uh, privacy in your, in your virtual presence is meaningful to you, um, you know, you may want to consider how that influences your identity online. Uh, so that was something I, I considered and I shifted more of my efforts just to, to using Google Duo as my main resource. So I really um, recommend that as a tool to uh, fitness professionals or individuals who are looking to join me uh, or Mallory in our one-on-one training sessions. Um, or like I said, I, I teach a small uh, team training, uh, virtual team training um, that consists of five ladies on Wednesdays. It's going to be Thursdays now at 5 p.m. Or sorry, yeah, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Um, 
So, I mean, Google Duo has been a really good tool. Other than that, FaceTime, if you've got Apple, if you don't, SOL, sorry. Um, but practically, Zoom will probably be your best option or Google Duo on an Android device. Um, you know, the the online aspect of it isn't super tough to work around if you've already used a computer and you've used Skype before. Well, there you have it, guys. Just a little bit of catch up. Um, it's been a while since I've posted, so I wanted to get in front of you guys, um, catch you up with things that are going on uh, as far as how COVID-19 has affected the training routine um, and how we've had to shift myself has had to shift towards the virtual training. It's been a lot of fun and I'm really excited for the future of virtual training. I think it's going to grow and become more popular and I enjoy the change of pace and I think it'll definitely open up opportunities for even different kinds of training. So I'm really I'm really looking forward to um, an individual seeking out remote um sport specific training so doing olympic weightlifting powerlifting um you know maybe virtually training for a in-season sport if they are going to have that uh moving forward because i know they're closing schools down so that may be different on a high school collegiate and even professional level um but this is going to open the door for a lot of different opportunities in the fitness realm. And I'm excited to see what that means for myself and what kind of um, insights I can get moving forward in helping me navigate kind of what the next best route is with this virtual training. It's very fresh. It's very new, you guys. Um, and there's going to be lots of improvements moving forward. So don't miss out on this. Jump on the virtual training gig, make sure you know how to use it. So that way, even if your your main demographic of individuals training with you aren't interested in it currently, you can make it an option and increase your value. So that's it for today's show. I'm going to make uh, a part two or rather a separate episode. Um, that'll be the next one I post, just kind of catching you up with the in the heat moment, uh, telling our story, myself as well as Mallory, uh, how we got to Tennessee moving from Michigan. Um, she built this gym, this beautiful gym here. We've been working with people. I've been training people online and how we've adjusted uh, with this whole virtual training gig. So it's been a wild ride. I'm excited to, to report it all to you guys. And I want to continue to be more regular with the podcasting. Um, but I need your help. I need your support. So if you can, go ahead, drop a like, share this podcast. Never stop getting better and never forget, guys, aspire to inspire.